0: this thing don't title again and I did not need me a little money is it rolling Bob
1: Hello 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 Welcome to Dixon Jane's podcast number eight hundred and Twenty nine. The last one was a palindromic wonder! But I didn't announce it that way. This one isn't. Uh, yeah, so here I am in uh, Thompson Park. You know, I look out the window when I'm home. Oh, God, it's sunny. It's nice. I should get out there and then oh, a little time with a cat. Oh, Maybe I'll just finish one more chapter in that Horatio Alger book. And, uh, oh, do I need a drink? Oh, I better pee. And then by the time I get out, uh, it's clouded. And uh, so here I am, and it is cold. I I made an effort. I got out. Got all wrapped up. Hat, hood, gloves, scarf, cane. And uh, managed just a bit of a walk. And the wind was just biting. It was nasty and thought no uh, and on top of all that my knee was already starting to uh, feel aggravated so i um had a very good long walk yesterday at um bluffer's park took a few pictures that was absolutely lovely uh, in the sunshine and uh, so we'll just leave it at that uh today is no not going to happen yeah, yesterday was quite a day. I met our good friend John Meadows. Many of you will know John. People who listen here are from Toronto. John hosts a Zoom gathering of uh, mainly photographers, photographer friends, every week, every Wednesday evening. He's been doing it for since March, I think he said. And um, that's quite a wonderful thing for the community. And anyway, we got caught up, you know, parked side by side in our cars and uh, talking through the windows. And then I had my walk, and it was just delightful. And uh, then back home and just was lying down with Yuki for a little nap, and I got a phone call from a friend in the church who would like to buy a copy of my book. Why don't I come over for a visit? So we did. We did it, um, you know, uh, COVID-style. Sat on his front veranda outside. The sun was still shining. He gets full sunshine on that front porch. It was lovely. Very nice house in another part of Scarborough that I don't know well. And uh, we had comfortable chairs, cushions on the chairs, and then he brought out warm blankets. I don't know how he heated them. Didn't ask. But uh, warm blankets uh far laps. And then later on his wife brought out uh, heating pads. So <laughs> it was quite nice with a, a thermos of hot tea and uh, just a good chat. So it was a very pleasant day overall. Uh, today was of course our Sunday being our uh, church service. I did not go. Instead I had a a letter to write back to my niece who wrote me a wonderfully long letter including a lot about family history. I didn't know she had tuned into some of my uh, podcast and YouTube channel, and there was a podcast when I said, "My mother was born on leave uh, when in in england uh during World War one and she corrected me and i said no 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 you're your your her mother and her first daughter, my mother's elder sister." took a uh, boat bag from from Vancouver Island across Canada to New York, boarded a ship back to England and my grandfather remained back in Canada on Vancouver Island, closing up I guess their house or whatever had you know signed up for the Canadian forces and uh, went back to England afterwards. so the bottom line was as if you needed to know. My mother was already pregnant, or my <laughs> grandmother was already pregnant with my mother when they sailed back to England. So I had the baby in England. So my mother was born, uh, because they didn't travel to England till about November. My mother was born in February, and uh, my grandfather did not uh, get back to England till well after that. Something like that anyway, but a, a correction um, <laughs> that... <laughs> All it meant was that I owed uh, my niece a good long letter, and I wrote it. like It was on uh, email, but it felt like a letter. covered a lot of ground and uh, shared some more family history that she might not have been aware of and uh, promised her a copy of my book, which I'd mail to her when I can get into a store to buy proper envelopes, and so on. So that was a productive enough day, and now here we are. I'm going to cancel my walk and probably go home and um, yeah, I should continue tidying up the books, but that seems more like a weekday job. I think I'm allowed weekends off. Uh, so probably won't do that. And then the only other thing to do was, hey, it's uh, Sunday. You uploaded your podcast Friday. It's time to start the next one. And here we are. Just started. And I think I'm going to end there. I think this is just a uh, a very short opening, beginning. I really don't think I have a topic. I'm going to get back to reading uh, my biography of Alan Watts, how much I appreciate this great man. And, um, yeah, leave it at that. I'll uh, talk to you a bit later on. Stay tuned. Uh, by the way, did I mention? I must have mentioned. I should have mentioned. Maybe the last podcast was all done in um, Audacity. I skipped the, um, whatchamacallit altogether. Garage band didn't need it. Thank you for the tips, my friends. Bye for now. Dang. I forgot to uh, bring the bell down again. I mentioned that last podcast. The basement, where I am now, needs a bell. But it's, you know, I'm still in the process of sorting things out. Uh, I'm not doing anything further today, I'm just sitting in the uh, very comfortable leather chair recliner um, that's not even positioned, I've moved it out from the bookcases uh, where it used to be uh, and kind of in the way of things, so I really have to find a new position for this, but where I can sit, recline, and read too, so uh, uh, everything is still a work in progress and uh, there are still many books on the floor, however... Uh, it took me all of 10 minutes to take all the piles of paper that were on the uh, office floor, put them into fol- folders, label the folders, uh, and then just put it in a drawer. And it's in a drawer where um, if that drawer caught fire and everything was burned, it would, really wouldn't matter a whole lot. So it's stuff that I, I don't want to throw out, but I really don't need to save And so I guess in a way it's cheating. I mean, the idea was to get rid of stuff. Now I'm just sort of relabeling folders and putting them in. But you know, hey, it it's kind of progress. Uh, I do love this view of uh, staring at the license plates up on the wall. I've got to make. I really do have to tweak this whole bar. And uh, so the idea of like like even today, uh, Monday, it's a quarter quarter to six. I'm down here because my wife is at grocery shopping. She often goes on a Monday, and um, and I decided, hey, you don't need the bloody news. So uh, yeah, so there was a coup in Burma. Does it really impact me? You know, I'm, a, I'm you know sure you're going to be sorry for the people who want democracy, uh, the horrors of uh, COVID all over Europe, and and you know our shortage of vaccine supplies, all the news that's out there that you know about, if you cared to know. Although if you're listening to this at some time in the future, or you're behind like uh, Mr. Ruby or Mr. Blevis, um, you know, this news will be certainly out of date. But what the hell? Um, I'm sitting here with... My book that I'm reading and enjoying so much uh, about the biography of Alan Watts, which I guess I mentioned, incredible. At the age of seventeen, he wrote a book on uh, Zen. I, was it the? Uh... Damn it! I looked. I looked in my library. That's what brought me down here in the first place to see if I had a copy of his first book. Was it the Way of Zen? Uh, but anyway. Uh, quite amazing. And then revised it years later. No, The Spirit of Zen. But 17 years old, hanging out with interesting people. There are some people who live a life other than ordinary. Sometimes it's being born into money. And in his case, you know, almost, I guess, upper-class British. Uh, Parents not wealthy, but was able to get... uh, to good schools, had a very good education. And then when it came to university, he could have had a scholarship, and he bailed on it deliberately. He thought he could educate himself by hanging out with interesting people. So the doors were open to somebody like this, to eccentric bookstore owners, uh, wealthy people, and introduced to travel on the continent, and, and <coughs> the opera, and theater, and music, and, and just important things in life, but developed a very, very early interest in Zem. was clearly a brilliant young mind, and those people in positions of power and wealth and authority loved him. And so, you know, that was, he decided, this is my education to to be with these people and learn from them. And soon he became a teacher to many more. So it's it's a fascinating story. And I, I talk about that because... I think of myself and probably the people who listen to this podcast. We are the mongrels uh, in just ordinary, average Canadians. We'll never be anything but that. But that in itself is enough. This is a luxury. My God, we don't have the pains. And it's not like, in the end, Alan Watts had such a, a wonderful life. I mean, he inspired people. He wrote books. He, he, he did great things. He achieved greatness but was he personally happy and satisfied in life and that's a question we always sort of i think we come back to uh and you can have just the life of an ordinary person and be very content uh and living as well as uh you know any king from bygone eras with all the convenience of a of a house with heating and a refrigerator and uh Stores where you can buy what you want by flashing a piece of plastic, you know. It's just quite amazing what we do have. All right, so moving on from there. Um, I've been watching a TV show called uh, Car Masters Rust to Riches. And it's the weirdest connection. I posted something on Instagram, Ted of Island was it Island Podcasting? Yeah, I think so. Um, who appeared at the very first uh, PAB conference in uh, Kingston. Ted Zekin uh, posted a comment. Said, Yo, I know, I had posted the picture of one of my model car kits. The Beatnik Bandle said, should I build it? He commented, you'd really like this show. I think you'd like this show. And, and I watched, and I'm just riveted by it maybe that's a pun it's just these guys stripping down beat up old pieces of cars and building new ones and the idea it's like the paperclip that bought a house story you trade up and for each bill that you get you you trade it for something that has potentially more value and then customize that and get it to another bidder and the aim is to getting you know a a free car or a car for a thousand dollars traded up to suddenly you're dealing with, uh, the six digit vehicles and they're wonderful to look at. The And, and I I'm a car guy without knowing much about cars. I, you know, I can't tell you technical specs. I'm just not that kind of guy, but I just love the appearance and the things they're doing and the colors. And I even got my son watching it. So that has been one of these, um, what do you call it? It's not a really even a guilty pleasure. It's just damn fun. But I know a lot of people would have no interest whatsoever in watching uh, the show I just told you. Car Masters, Rusty Richards. There's another one I used to watch. Canadian one that about you know rebuilding these things. It's some always taking place in the garage. And there's a, it's that style of. Um, you know it appears to be real appears to be unscripted but you know it has to be but it's it's very well done very well done and uh, it's been a pleasure i had another note from the last podcast that i don't think i mentioned <sighs> maybe i did i'm i'm just going to bring it up again because it just it's a reminder of how backwards talking about you know average people us mongols here in canada with this wonderfully comfortable safe secure life that most of us are living not everyone not everyone has clean water here i know that Uh, not everyone you know is getting a fair shake not everybody is treated equally not everybody's getting a good, good education yes there are lots of disadvantaged people in canada and we need to do better okay let's put that out there just in case you think I'm just talking from this privileged white perspective of my own. But this is a case of two men who uh, were lovers and were caught in the act of sex, I believe, in Indonesia by neighbors who ratted on them. And they're under Sharia law, and both of them were uh, tied up and lashed, I think, 77 times each by a team of people with hoods whipping the lash so that if one got tired, the others could give them equally harsh, brutal treatment. And I'm thinking, you fuckers, you stupid goddamn asshole fuckers who believe this is the way you treat other humans. You stupid goddamn fuckers, you don't belong on this planet in the 21st century. God damn it. And it's just not me wagging on about the religion. It's the culture. It's the having this for a barbaric set of fucking rules. This is if you do this, you're stoned to death. If you do this, your hands cut off. If you do this, we lash you, you know. How do people live according to fucking stupid primitive ape level beliefs? It just fucking infuriates me. It, it just, now I'm sorry about it, but I, but it's, it's true. It's real. This is happening in parts of the world. How do we bring those people up to a level of, Hey, you know, I mean, would LSD do it? Would that help? Would we just fuck their minds up totally to do, so that everything dissolves and this whole fucking belief about you and your God and your fucking prophet Muhammad telling you how to live the right way of life. Fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you. You stupid primitive apes. Okay, all right, all right, all right. So come down on me. A little overboard there. Yeah. Would you like anybody you know to be lashed 77 times for loving another man? Or a member of the same sex? Or another woman? Would you like them to be killed and punished? No, I don't think so. Why? Because we're living in a... Higher level of civilization, perhaps. Yeah, 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 yeah. We drop bombs on people. We do all the bad things. I know, I know. Always counter arguments. Always have to cover your bases. Whoa. You don't have a right for opinion. Yes, I do. Fuck you, too. I'm hypnotized by these license plates I'm staring at. They're They're talking to me. They just seem so perfect. The different colors, the different shapes. The V-E-2-Y-P. These are treasures. These are real bar treasures. (sighs) Okay. All right. God damn. Where are we? Well, we're just really just starting this, uh, this issue. I I guess I could go back to, uh, Holocaust Day, which was two days ago, I guess. Uh, and maybe I mentioned that on the last, last podcast, but, um. It's, I I guess maybe it's to balance things out. Well, here was a white, civilized race of people with technology living in the modern world who did things equally barbaric, worse, greater numbers, just as horrific in their thinking, maybe worse, because they don't, they had no education. They had, they didn't have the excuse of, being slaves to some biblical you know Quranic stories, they were educated they by design decided, decided to wipe out millions of people, like my God I know this is not a, this is not pleasant listening. Let's get out of here, like can I? I mean are we allowed to even leave? The horrors. Can I get back to that comfortable little place? Yesterday I took a walk. Yesterday I took a walk. I think I had recorded that it was too cold for a walk. (sighs) Do you need a breather? Do I need to take a breath? Yesterday when it was too cold to walk at Thompson Park... Um, I started driving home and then suddenly I came to a road. I always take the road by St. Andrew's Church and the cemetery and it's a little winding pathway full of trees, a narrow road. You've got to be very careful when another car approaches. It's that narrow. It's like a laneway. As I exited past the church, I saw, Oh, now there's a street I've never been up. I'll turn here and suddenly, you know, the the wheel is yanked and I'm turning left and I'm going up another road and I follow it for a while then take another turn and then oh that leads me to one that comes out of McCown but I don't really want to go to McCown oh this street if I follow this all the way it'll take me to Bellamy different winding road so I take a couple of different roads and then when I'm coming where I normally turn on to my street I decide no I'll turn on the street before and then instead of turning up that would get me direct to my house I take another route and I pass by a park. Oh, yes, the wonderful little park. Oh, I should walk here. The sun is out now. If only I had a place to park. And I circle around home, realizing I have a place to park, my own garage. Why? Because I just have to cross the road from my house, and there's a stairway leading to a bridge across the creek, leading to a pathway that leads to that very park. The park I used to take my boys to when they were little children. And we used to play and find things in the creek and stop and get down by the water when it flowed. Only now it's cold and iced over and the trees are bare. And it's got a beauty of its own. I took a picture and I posted it and I love it. It looks wonderful. And I'm thinking, wow, I've rediscovered a place I'd completely forgotten about. A wonderful, wonderful place from my past. And I see dogs and people and I see a kind lady and we have a little chat as I stop at the bridge to take a picture. She stops and we talk about where we live and how wonderful this park is. Just the same way a couple of days ago I had the same conversation with people in Bluffers Park. And these are your nice average middle class Canadians, not wealthy, not famous, not rich, just People living a comfortable life here in a comfortable part of Toronto, and how wonderful and what blessings. And the whole time I'm taking the walk, I'm telling myself, Can't this is just wonderful. This is this is it. The sun is shining, you have beauty all around you, you have memories of your children. You see a hill you used to run up. Now you can barely walk, but here's a hill you used to up run up and climb up. And there'd be tree forts up at the top and other kids have been playing there. And it was a wonderful place for your kids to explore. And you're feeling happy and you're kind of just wanting to hang on to that happiness a little bit. You're wanting to tell people about it like you are right now. You're wanting to prolong that happiness. you want wanting to hold on to it. You're wanting to make it somehow more permanent. And you know you can't because life is living on the edge. And it's in passing And it's not to be clung to, it's just to be lived. But still, as you're walking along that pathway, happy, excited, thrilled that you you ended up here, not knowing it wasn't part of the plan, it's because you did that crazy left turn off the St. Andrew's Cemetery Road that got you to this pathway, that put that idea in your mind, that led you here to this now, and you're really grateful but you still want to hang on to it. And that's why you go back to your Zen books and they help me, help me get to that. Help me feel full and complete in this very moment that I don't even need to share it. I don't even need to tell my listeners about it. I don't need any more than just this present moment walking slowly through this wonderful Cedar Grove Park. living being alive breathing knowing it's coming to an end but still being happy and having a smile on your face as you retell this story scabber dude don't want to spoil it any more than I have now, will I pick up a few books? What am I going to do with The Naked Ape? What am I going to do with The Politics of Heroin in Southeast Asia? What am I going to do with The Birth of Psychedelic Culture? What am I going to do with Patti Smith? What am I going to do with uh, Shoot from the Hip, Joan Baez, Henry Fonda? What am I going to do with all these other books? The Siege of Chicago. i got to find a place for them, boys and girls. That's what i got to do right now. Bye for now. Ding, ding, ding.
0: I go out walking after midnight Out in the moonlight Just like we used to do, I'm always After midnight searching for you I walk i
1: sunshine, uh, like facing the sun. There's a bench I knew I would come to, and uh, that's where I've arrived at. Um, Perfect. It's just, uh, it's off the pathway. It's, uh, you have to cross a field of snow to get to it. It's uh, very close. My back is to the uh, creek here. This is Cedar Grove Park. It's the place I've been talking about, the one I used to come to when my kids were young. And they've just rediscovered, and it's just the perfect, I mean, I don't need to drive anymore to Buffers or Thompson. This is across the street. Uh, and each day I've taken a slightly different route to get here or to get home, which makes it nice. I I've, I planned, and it was kind of almost fun sort of know, okay, well today, we're going to go down Cheyenne, and then cross over whatever that street's called, and... Uh, lead your way in and we'll go back in reverse the way we used to uh, and come up the stairs that uh, are just across from my house. So uh, that's the route we're taking, whether you needed to know that or not. There's a whole lot on this podcast <laughs> that you don't really need to know. Isn't that right? Um, but that's just fine. Oh, that's nice. A mother and daughter, I guess, out running uh, together, I've seen them already make one lap, and that's a good thing to do in these days of no school. Get the children active. Good, mom. Good on you. So, uh, yeah, I'm. A, today is an Alan Watts day. Been, <laughs> there's been a few Alan Watts days lately. The wonderful thing, this library I keep going on about, is that I was able to go in there and pull out. Books that oh you know that's what I want to read now like having my own library. I found uh, the one I maybe I mentioned by D.T. Suzuki who introduced Watts and uh, the Western world in general to uh, Buddhism and Zen Buddhism in particular uh, way back in the thirties. Uh, and then of course Alan Watts they became friends. But anyway, I found sort of a beginner's guide from Suzuki. I have another book by him, and it's it's quite dense. And it, these things are hard. I mean, basically, they are books about trying to explain something that can't be explained in words, which is Zen Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism, you could, but the Zen part of it. Uh, and the thing is, I I know I've mentioned on this podcast, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it because people will, you know, call could call me on it. Uh, that's another subtext. Um, I just have the feeling sometimes there's somebody listening who doesn't like me <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't like it. I, I, it really bothers me, but I know it's most likely just in my imagination. If you didn't like me, you wouldn't bother listening. Uh, there may be things about me that could be irritating. Oh, by the way, I, I keep... Boy, backtracking, backtracking. I've got to send an apology to anybody who follows a religion in a good way, teaches their children to be honest, to be kind, uh, to think of others who have less, which could be in, in Judaism, Christianity, Islam, uh, Hinduism, Sikhism, whatever the religion might be. It's not. I, I'm not making a blanket call on uh, I hate all religions. It's just the certain... Passages and beliefs that you find in the Bible, in the Quran, and I don't know anything about uh, the Torah, but uh, probably that too, that are just ridiculous, and they are not meant for modern evolutionized mankind. You know, they just they just aren't. Sorry, that's a book that somebody at that time wrote and thought this is a good idea. This will help, and maybe it did, you know, bring people up to a certain point. But uh, those those days have passed. Be kind to each other. Don't kill people because they do something you don't approve of. Or this book said you should not. Anyway, I refuse to spend any more time. I just thought, I, I, you know, I guess I was feeling a little defensive about my last rant. Uh, and not worried that somebody's going to come and cut my head off. They, if they do, well, gosh, that would be unpleasant. But... Uh, They'd be wrong in doing that All right, so Where were we? Oh yeah So feeling embarrassed To say I've accumulated little Bits of wisdom and understanding And It it coincides With some of the things I'm reading about Zen So I've got these two books going, the Suzuki one Which had some just wonderful passages Um, And then the Alan Watts biography Which is very good Because it's not just presenting him in a glowing light. But my God, what a man. At the age of 19, he published his first book, uh, The Spirit of Zen, uh, in England. At the age of 19, he's the one who, as I said, just decided not to go to university and get a better education for himself by hanging out basically uh, with brilliant people of unorthodox beliefs. Uh, things that he never would have been exposed to in a a traditional British university at that time. So it's quite wonderful. Anyway, he wrote this book. And um, I thought, oh, I've got to get that. It's one I don't have in my collection. And, of course, it's on Amazon. It's available here and there in your local library, maybe. Um, But because it's so old, uh, published maybe in the late 30s, um, it's available... On uh, various platforms In PDF format or whatever So it's just like that You read about it Oh, I'd like that Ooh, I have it now Thanks to the internet uh, So that that's a treat So I've been taking passages from there And digesting them And then it, and you can see a lot of the what, what he's put in that book Were things he's taken directly from Suzuki Which I'm reading at the same time So it's all quite wonderful But I guess what it sort of Seems to come down to, and I've I've mentioned this, you know, on more than one occasion. It's just being aware of being alive. Is it that simple? Being al- aware that you're on this cutting edge of time. You are on the edge of time, and and it's it is just. The constant change, it's something you can't hold on to. And that's particularly important for me as somebody who's always trying to grasp something. I'm holding on to it by by doing this podcast. I'm holding on to today, this afternoon, sitting in this park, Cedar Grove, nearby my house. I'm holding on to it by putting this experience now into words, into a digital format, into a podcast that somebody at any time could listen to. Um, and I think that's a connection to the book that I put out of those letters. In those letters, I was hanging on to time, writing when I was sometimes drunk or certainly had a drink going in various bars. But I was I was preserving in a way that time. And it and it's it may sound counter Zen, like hey, you you can't hold the whole point was you can't hold on to time. You have to just be awake to the moment, to the now, to the change. But there was a passage in Alan Watts where his girlfriend at the time, a woman, he married and brought him to the States from a very rich family. He married up. He had no money. Uh, anyway, she said it's. he was trying to get rid of thinking about the past or the future. What am I going to do with my life? He's still a young man. He has no career, no job, no security. What am I going to do with my life? And thinking maybe about past experiences, his relationship with his mother, who was Uh, kind of a, a, a stiff Christian and his girlfriend at the time fiance said it's okay in the moment to hold thoughts and memories about the past and to dream about the future it is still in the present it's still part of this everlasting change and that was something he said he just he just never forgot and and that's why I feel I can do this. I can say I'm celebrating today right now. I'm, I'm feeling like, like I turn. I've, my, my eyes are closed. I'm turned to face directly into the sun, which I so often do on a podcast. And I feel right now on my face, I feel the warmth of the sunshine. Coming through the cold winter air, it feels beautiful. It feels warm. My my gloves are off. It, it's a delightful day. It's wonderful. I feel this warmth in this moment. Sitting on this bench, I hear a, <laughs> a saw in the distance. Somebody's doing a repair on their house. Uh, but it, but it is now. But I can live through it. I don't. I don't have to hang on to it. I. But I do have to. Stop, take a moment, and feel. And it is a lot about feeling and not getting words in the way of. And it would seem I'm being counterproductive. My always, always, always burying myself in words. But the words help me be aware of what I have, of where I am, and what I'm doing. And just overall... This, I, I seem to have been in a very pleasant part, and I know I probably have podcasts, anybody could pull up a clip and say, no, that's not true at all, dude, where I feel happy, content, satisfied. And I feel I've, I've been this way for years. Um, now, what does that prove? Why, why, did, why did I even share that? Because right away, I guess it's because I'm reading these, these books about how we are the problem, how we beat up on ourselves. As soon as I say that, a voice rises up to, to challenge me on it, uh, to say, no, that's not true. You're depressed about this or, you know, whatever. And what does that mean anyway? Well, I guess it means I've reached a point in my life where I have a lot of gratitude. And a lot of things, real things, to be grateful for. That house where I live in. That library in my basement. The road track in the driveway. This purple cane that helps me get around. It is this sense of, of, of being blessed. And blessed for what? Blessed for being conscious. Blessed for being alive. Blessed for knowing you have those things. This is the time when I should be saying Shut up, Kim Go read some Alan Watts But I do want to Kind of share it with you So I'm gonna I've got in my little Notes here Oh, God, I hope Yes, I did Spirit of Zen Watts I've got two Huge sections here um, And I'll, I'll just read a few to you And just bear with me, okay? In a certain sense Zen is feeling life instead of feeling something about life. The aim of Zen is to focus the attention on reality itself instead of on our intellectual and emotional reactions to reality. Reality being that ever-changing, ever-growing, indefinable something known as life, which will never stop for a moment for us to fit it satisfactorily into any rigid system of pigeonholes and ideas. Now, here's a good one. And I'm going to go through these, so, you know, bear with me. A Confucian poet once came to Zen master Hui Tang to inquire the secret of his teaching, whereupon the master quoted to him one of the sayings of Confucius. Do you think I am hiding things from you, O my disciples? Indeed, I have nothing to hide from you. Since Hui Tang would not allow him to ask any more questions, the poet went away deeply puzzled. But a short time after, the two went for a walk together in the mountains. As they were passing a bush of wild laurel, the master turned to his companion and asked, Do you smell it? Then to the answer, Yes, he remarked, there. I have nothing to hide from you at once the poet was enlightened <laughs> yeah he smelled he, he smelled the roses i guess you know he smelled the laurel um and and that's it i mean that's what it's pointing at there's no secret just wake up wake up and and that's um uh, That's the thing. I mean, it's hard when we're buried in in our own minds. And this is the enemy. This is the thing that keeps us from this wonderful secret about life. Live it. Feel it. Taste it. Love it. The only difference between a Buddha and an ordinary man is that one realizes it while the other does not. The truth of Zen is obvious that it is standing before our eyes every moment of the day. And that is to anybody who is alive on this planet. <sighs> By the way, I'm thinking now, I've, uh, I have really want to get, I mentioned before, and this is one of the thoughts that came as I was having my walk, and thinking it's not just about feel every step now, because unfortunately the knee is giving me a lot of grief, and saying, hey, 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 hey. I don't like this, Uh, but I'm walking anyway. Um, I thought about the zine I want to put back, the Dixon Jane zine, another thing of hanging on to something, but it's also, it's it's creating, it's in the moment, and I'm going to send out an email very soon to uh, people who've subscribed to or written to uh, previous ones. If you don't know if you're on that list and you'd like to write a piece about hope for the spring issue of the Dixon Jane zine, please... Send an email to uh, Dixon Janes D-I-C-K-S-N-J-A-N-E-S At gmail.com Or just Google Scarborough Dude You'll find me And um, Yes Ask me more about it Or ask me to put you on the On the mailing list It will be a select group So there will be some privacy Um, Zen is to move with life Without trying to arrest And interrupt its flow It is an immediate awareness of things as they live and move. It's a good one. Once we imagine that we have grasped the truth of life, the truth has vanished. For truth cannot become anyone's property, the reason being that truth is life. And for one person to think that he possesses all life is a manifest absurdity. Or the part cannot possess the whole. Now, I think that is getting at the interconnectedness of everything, and and that's a point where I really do have uh, some understanding to yet to go. Um, I can I can almost grasp that we are all of one mind, that we are all connected. We don't see it yet, but because we are just too primitive in our evolution. Um... But there is a sense when you look back at at how did we get here? How is it that I'm sitting on a man-made bench in very comfortable clothes um, and able to talk on some device that will reach other people? You know, this this mind-blowingness when in time on this very same planet there were giant beasts stomping around eating each other in battles to the death. And somehow this... uh, this process of evolution went along and it's hard not to see that there is a purpose to it, that that what we are doing and it's like a game is trying to get to the is singularity is that the right word or the the single mind or the the higher level of consciousness that is interconnected, that is all one, this Godhead, this Godhood that that's really we are on that path, and I heard from a dear friend today, uh, who I think sometimes listens to this, that uh, she thought um, we are on the path towards our doom. That uh, that the end is coming. That it's it's in the news. It's in the uh, it's all around us. That uh, we will die off as a species. I think that's what she meant. And uh, I think, oh dear. Maybe that's what prompted me to uh, want to put out this issue about hope. Do you have any hope? And of course, it, it always means the counterpart that there will be, uh, those who will say there is no hope. And that's, yeah, that's probably what prompted that thought. Thank you for that. And you see, there's an interconnectedness right there. And these might seem very trivial and very small, but the fact that I reached out to this person, uh, and this person responded back, um, and said, no, this is not for religious reasons. This is for reasons of, uh, science and, uh, news that, uh, you know, we may very well do ourselves in on this planet. It may very well be a failed experiment. And of course there are other experiments throughout this universe going on at the same time. Anyway, I'm going to get on my walk. I think that was just a sampling from, uh, the wonderful, 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 um, alan watt's book i feel refreshed having had a little sit in the sun do we need any suzuki uh let me just see from his book Um, whatever teachings there are in zen become out of one's own mind we teach ourselves zen merely points the way The discipline of Zen consists in opening the mental eye in order to look into the very reason of existence. When a Zen master was was once asked what Zen was, he replied, "Your everyday thought." All right, that's enough of the Suzuki ones. Of course, I'm only choosing select pieces, and there are a few koans that I that are hilarious. You know, quite often they end up with somebody hitting, beating somebody with a stick or slapping their face to make them come to a realization. This is reality, asshole. Smack. (laughs) I don't need that. All right. I'm going to uh, unplug this and uh, go back to listen to a little more Alan Watts. By the way, Alan Watts is available if you Google him. All kinds of recordings for free or you can donate if you like. And um, some of his many talks, and uh, it's just wonderful to hear his voice. Scarborough Dude signing out by for now on uh, a Wednesday afternoon. Bye bye. Still have a lot of work to do. Still got to get back down to that library and organize the Beatles section. Yep. After the walk. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: スキルはい、背骨を起こして手のひらをくるっと
1: Check, check. Oh damn it! I didn't bring the bell down i i brought I'm down in the basement I brought so much down with me uh but forgot the bell again uh, <laughs> like it matters to you uh, I will get it uh it's, it belongs here, but uh, I don't have it now so uh, ding 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 yourself um I'm sitting. In this very nice leather chair, Uh, this is the wonderful seat I have that I just don't use enough. It's a recliner. It's in great shape. Don't recall when we bought it. I've got the sofa, matching sofa, too. Jesus. I'm still thinking I need a little two-seater sofa to block off, to sort of enclose, block off from the, uh, the rest of this big room down here. It's just an open area playroom. And uh, the up against the far wall was a dartboard, which we used to play. And there used to be a foosball table. And I'm so sorry. We gave it to our next-door neighbors, which is, you know, not a bad thing. I could have sold it easily and made money, I'm sure. It was in good shape. It was a great game. Uh, my wife just felt it was clutter. And I went along with her. I think it was sort of a compromise. And I'm kind of sorry I did now. Uh, I was away at the time. But I would given my blessing. And the neighbor had to come in. They had to take the thing apart. I had to take the legs off to get it out of here. But they did. And they have two little kids. And, uh, and you know, it, big picture, it was a good thing to do. How often would I be using it here? Um, I used to play with my sons and my wife. It, it was fun. It, it, you know, we had our time. So, uh, you know, that's part of the letting go thing, you know. hey. You bought it, you had it, it was a family Christmas present, um, and it's gone, so it's okay. But in its place, I want a little sofa. All right, anyway, I'm sitting at the library, uh, straddling this big chair, and I'm going to, today's the day I, I wanted to make a um, another YouTube video. Now that I've more or less tidied up, I've only got a, about a dozen books on the floor, uh, and some other stuff to deal with, but I've I've made great progress uh, down here with the library anyway. And as you know, I'm on this Alan Watts kick, and it's so wonderful to have, okay, top is all beats, an entire row of beat books, biographies mainly, Uh, and then it it covers, of course, Kerouac, all the beats, and then a section of Allen Ginsberg, like collected poems and letters, biographies, and then a section on William Burroughs, which I don't know why I have, but I do. Maybe I'll go back to it someday. I I mean, I've read half of them, but, uh, you know, copies of Queers, earlier ones, and uh, uh, lots of other stuff. Uh, And then below, um, there's just the Kerouac books that he wrote and, you know, sometimes multiple copies of the same book, uh, below that, oh, just Kerouac biographies or yeah, mostly Kerouac and, uh, Neil Cassidy, uh, so that's three rows of beats, you know, really four, uh, and, but then below that, a really nice section of small paperbacks and it's got John Lilly, uh, Aldous Huxley, Carlos Castaneda. And does anybody even remember the teachings of Don Juan, the Yaki way of knowledge? That was such a huge thing in the 70s. And we just ate those books up. Like they were just incredible. Maybe here, I'll pull it out and read the back. Uh, the first starting with a separate reality. Oh, well, this is not the first one. Separate. Anyway. In 1961, a young anthropologist subjected himself to an extraordinary apprenticeship to bring back a fascinating glimpse of a Yaki Indian's world of non-ordinary reality and the difficult and dangerous road a man must travel to become a man of knowledge. Yet on the brink of that world, challenging to all that we believe, he drew back Then in 1968, Carlos Castaneda returned to Mexico to Don Juan and his hallucinogenic drugs and to a world of experience no man from Western civilization had ever entered before. Hmm. One can't exaggerate the significance of what Castaneda has done. A separate reality is extraordinary in every sense of the world. So that was just a taste of it. but, uh, But that's in the section with The Art of Thinking, The Drug Experience, my Carl Rogers, but right here at the front, a section of one, two, three, four, five, you know, a dozen easily books by um, Alan Watts. Now, how wonderful is that? Uh, So it just, it just thrills me that I can go back to these. Um, I like to maintain, I've said it before, that, that just that one sentence, Come and join the cosmic dance. Although, every time I search for that, the word cosmic is not there. It was from the book, um, which I'm holding now, The Wisdom of Insecurity. And I'm going to go back to it. I have two copies. I'm going to keep this handy um, and just revisit it. Because, you know, books like these are the ones you read again again, and you read it again, and you read it again. And you just keep picking up things you missed before when you weren't ready. Uh, I'm going to read a passage um, from the Suzuki book, the the his his big one on um, um, Zen Buddhism. I, I quoted a little bit from just the little introductory book, the small one, Introduction to Zen Buddhism, but this is the one he wrote earlier, Zen Buddhism. Right at the beginning, called the Sense of Zen. So here you go, Zen in its essence is the art of seeing into the nature of one's own being, and it points the way from bondage to freedom. By making us drink right from the fountain of life, it liberates us from all the yokes under which we finite beings are usually suffering in this world. We can say that Zen liberates all the energies properly and naturally stored in each of us, which are in ordinary circumstances cramped and distorted so that they find no adequate channel for activity. Now, the part I love there is um, the energies that are stored in, a, in each of us um, that just don't get to be channeled properly. And I'm going to be very bold here, uh, and make a statement. I don't mind if anybody questions me on it, but I felt the process I went through of putting out that book and not the book itself, not the end product, the process of gathering those letters, putting them into an order, and then picking out the ones that I wanted in the order I wanted them to go was the most smoothest, easiest flowing, free flowing, experience, creative experience I've had maybe almost ever in my life. It was just the energy was channeled. It just, it flowed. It was just so easy. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And, and I really do equate that to a, a Zen-like experience. And again, it's not saying this about the, the end product or the quality of the book or what you may or may not get from it, but uh, the act of creating it was uh, was wonderful. So I've got lots to go through here. Cloud hidden, whereabouts unknown. And again, the biography I'm reading on Alan Watts, um, boy, I mean, it, it doesn't hold back from seeing what a character he was. He became a, a minister, a Christian minister, because he needed a job. Uh, and, and he studied. He was very good at it. He, and he ended up being a university chaplain in Chicago and, um, you know, just he enlightened a lot of people and he he was a he, he was bright i just the the author has a little bit of trouble with him sort of thinking well did he do this to avoid going to war in like 1941 when he might have been uh, as, uh you know conscripted is that the word enlisted uh, he didn't enlist he did not want to go to war by any means um and he was, you know, negligent of his children. I mean, all the faults are there, too, but that's true of all the heroes. All right, let's give the guy a break. Jesus. Uh, the thing I'm celebrating here is looking. I look over beside the um, section with Alan Watson, and Huxley, and so on, and I see several books um, by and about Leonard Cohen, and then into another writer who just thrilled me, thrilled me no end, uh, Lawrence Durrell. Uh, That section, and ending with Jean-Paul Sartre, the uh, Age of Reason, uh, that trilogy, Uh, below that, a lot of, you know, a a mixed bag of uh, the social lives of insects, Um, the naked ape, um, the Aldous Huxley autobiography, my Rom Doss collection, Uh, just lots of others, bottom shelf, below the um, um, Alan Watts are bigger books and it's uh, almost all Timothy Leary almost the entire thing so it's quite quite wonderful quite quite wonderful uh, and I'm thrilled and uh, now I have things to do today I have knickknacks and rocks scattered all over the place and uh, I think I've really got to get rid of some of those and uh, and make it just a place that people could come and browse I really do hope that one day when I have that little two seater here, I'll be able to invite, you know, maybe up to six, seven people, or maybe just two or three or even one at a time, to come over and spend an evening having a drink and a conversation uh down here in uh in the basement bar. That's my ten minutes. Yeah, it's the end of this podcast, and uh Scrapper Dude signing off. Hope you are well. Take care of yourself, stay safe, especially in these times of uh COVID and and the danger and the ease with which it's spreading. Um, Look out for those around you and don't hang out with careless people. Bye for now. Ding.